Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday morning, and it is that time once again for, you know what's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. My name is Brian Breaker, and I am your host. Today is episode 34. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed last week with my buddy Spico. Kind of a different episode, but um, I think everyone would probably enjoy it. It was it was fun, and a lot of fun stories were told. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it's in the archives. Go check it out. Episode 33 with Spico. Um, I guess this week is Dylan Gott, who is a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying having different guests on the show. I think that's been a, a really fun thing for this. And, you know, Dylan's is no different than that. I was turned on to his comedy routine uh, by Richard Yule from Night of the Nerdy Laser Podcast. Shout out to Richard, who's like, hey, I think this guy would be a good guest for your show. But I thought, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know him. And I can't, if I just shoot him a cold message, I doubt he's going to be like, yeah, let's do it. And and he, he was, to my surprise. And we had a really fun conversation. You know, Dylan's a stand-up comedian. I'm going to play a little clip from his uh, bit on pro wrestling. He's very knowledgeable of pro wrestling, as you'll hear. He's also a podcaster. So um, I think everyone will enjoy it. It was a really fun conversation. And, uh, you know, hopefully down the road, me and Dylan will podcast again in the future. But uh, before we get into the episode, I'm going to send you over to a little clip of uh, Dylan doing his, uh, his stand-up routine on pro wrestling. I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan. If you guys don't like pro wrestling, I totally get it. <laughs> That's the best thing about being a wrestling nerd. The only type of nerds who will not stand up for the thing they like. They're like, I hate wrestling. You're like, oh, I wish I didn't like it either. Good for you. <laughs> being a virgin into your 20s was hard. I wish. <laughs> I like it too. I like wrestling though. I like wrestling though. The best way I can describe being a wrestling fan uh, is it's a lot like being religious. You gotta get started when you're a kid, otherwise it makes no fucking sense whatsoever, you know? <laughs> My nice friends will try and watch it with me. They'll be like, wait a minute, I don't get it. The Undertaker's dead and alive at the exact same time. I'm just like, I don't know, man. It just helps me sleep. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the only dumb reason I think to not like wrestling is when people bust this one out because they think they blow your mind. They go, oh, you like wrestling. Don't you know that's fake? <laughs> yeah. Right? I've only been in a couple fights as an adult. Just a couple fights. And at no point during those fights did it occur to me to throw a drop kick. I was never like, I know what I'll do. I'll take to the air. <laughs> the element of surprise is on my side. Hiya! <laughs> There's so many good reasons not like wrestling. If the only one you've arrived on if that is fake, that'd be like if I walked up to you and I said, hey, do you like porno? And you said, no. I was like, why? You said, well, I just don't think they're in love. <laughs> Those people are just lying to me with their bodies. When did they get married? Wear a ring, goddammit. See, I told you it was it was funny stuff, right? Um, he's a very very funny guy, and um, and we we kind of go all over the place, but it's very centric on pro wrestling. I think everyone will enjoy it, and I won't keep uh, keep this part of the show too terribly long. And uh, let's kick it over to my conversation with the one and only Dylan Gott. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Joining me uh, today via Skype, he is a stand-up comedian. He is also a huge fan of pro wrestling. I am joined here by Dylan Gott. Dylan, how are you doing today, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, kind of how we got in touch with each other is a friend of mine, Richard Yule. He sent me a, uh, a clip of you doing your comedy routine, and you actually do a bit about being a pro wrestling fan, which to me was hilarious because I don't feel like a lot of comedians maybe ron funches does but not many comedians put out there that they're pro wrestling fans so I, that was immediately interesting to me well a lot of comedians are pro wrestling fans like uh k trevor wilson if you're familiar with the show letter kenny sure uh, yeah he has a he has a really good joke about the opening match guys in the 80s 
where, you know, it's like, oh, you're watching wrestling. You're watching wrestling for the first time. You're like, oh, who's going to win? The Road Warriors who got fireworks and they have shoulder pads and spikes on them. Or who's this guy? Steve, you know? <laughs> right. They didn't even give him a whole name. And he always has, like, one nipple showing or something weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing is a lot of comedians are professional wrestling fans. Like, most of them, I would say, are professional wrestling fans. Male comedians, I will say. Women comedians have more uh, respect for themselves. Uh, <laughs> I never watch professional wrestling. Well, and that's what's so interesting is because I feel like to some degree anybody can kind of be maybe a closet pro wrestling fan, but that's not always something you just throw out there, right? Like, that's not a conversation. I don't just walk up to someone on the street and be like, hey, man, you like, you like pro wrestling? It's, it's almost like it's a deep secret that you don't let anybody know. Well, I feel like comic books used to be like that. Sure, yeah. Like, I remember, I remember because my cousin, I have a cousin who's like a really nice guy, but he collects like, he's a collector of toys. He's like 40-something. Um, and he's like from the era where it's like, you do not tell someone you read comic books. And now they're making all these movies and he feels like, oh, did I like do all this work buying comics and like, yelling at people if they even touched my Bebop doll in the in the packaging. Like, don't even look at the doll in the packaging, that type of thing. Right. Um, but maybe there'd be a time where you it's totally fine to walk up to someone and say you're a pro wrestling fan. But until, until like, because that's the weird thing about wrestling is, like, everyone thought it was stupid in the 90s, and everyone thought it's stupid in the, like, we'll say the 2000s when Austin and Rock, Everyone thought it was like, oh, that's really silly to watch that. But now, if you show wrestling to someone, they complain that it's not like the Austin The Rock era, right? So it's like kind of like what you want. Well, and, and that's and that's what's funny about it. Like, oh yeah, I used to like it when uh, when Hulk Hogan did it or Stone Cold Steve Austin did it. But now I don't really yeah. know any of these guys. And you know, and what's funny to me, and I, I've I've never knocked like MMA or UFC or anything like that. But when I see these guys getting little scuffles when they're uh, doing their their weigh ins or things like that. And people buy into it. I'm like, you, you do realize this is pro wrestling. I'm not saying what they're doing in the cage isn't real. Oh, 100%. But, this, but this is pro wrestling right here. Like this, you're taking two guys, they have an issue, you're putting them in a ring to settle it. That's pro wrestling. Well, and that, yes, and, that, and that's how simple it is. And it's so much more simple when they're really fighting. We're like, people know. Um, what was um, the George St. Pierre Nick Diaz fight where George St. Pierre said, I. I've never been this angry at any man in my life, right? And then right. immediately after the fight, Nick Diaz is like, oh, I don't know, I don't think I have it anymore. And George St. Pierre is like, hey, I said a bunch of stuff to promote the fight. Like, every single fight, George St. Pierre would say, I, like, basically would be like, this was fake. Right. I really wish him the best. And Conor McGregor does it, too. I mean, even the Poirier conference, this just past weekend, I think Poirier said, um, I'm going to celebrate with, and then he just said a rival whiskey brand, and McGregor in the microphone during the press conference said, good one where it's like yeah this is all what it is and that like all anyone needs is like an element of realism and i think wrestling started dipping off with the late 90s like at their highest peak it started dipping off because people started admitting it was fake and talking about how they did everything right and um i don't know how specifically wrestling oriented this podcast is but eric bischoff said one of the smartest things ever which is wrestling is like going to a magic show Everyone knows it's fake, but they don't want to know how you did it. And once they know how you did it, it takes something from it. No, well, and, and I've compared, you know, pro wrestling to a magician many times because to me, yeah. that's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm aware he's not sawing the woman in half, right? Because there would be a mass amount of blood coming out of that <laughs> box. You imagine they just did that once real? It's like, oh, my God, that's her spine. <laughs> right. I was like, man, he really had to cut through that, you know, that spine bone there. That's very thick. But, um, yeah, exactly. That's the New Japan uh, magicians where they're like, no, this is real. Right, right. And, and, you know, and I see it today with guys, you know, on the independents and stuff who – who take like crazy bumps, but you know, even, even with WWE, like I remember a few years ago, I'm sure you saw it. Like they had Brock Lesnar, uh, elbow Randy Orton in the head until he was busted yeah. open. And I remember Jim Cornette making the comment, which obviously he's a polarizing individual, but he was like, that's why we have the blade. So we don't have to, you know, mutilate each other. Like, are we going backwards so far that it's like, everyone knows this is a show. Do we really need a former UFC champion to bust this guy open and, possibly give him a terrible concussion 
no. <laughs> like, so why are we doing that? It's it's that weird thing of, um, I guess, at that point, the WWE said, oh, well, the blade's barbaric. And I'm like, but that's not? Like, it's it's very strange. It's an inter- it's a very weird industry, I think, at times, and the way it's perceived yeah. and the way we look at it. Well, it got, when they, like what I was talking about in the 90s, and then, when they had all those videos, like Pro Wrestling Exposed and sure. all that stuff in the late 90s and 2000s, that's when it became way more dangerous to be a pro wrestler because it's like when it was fake, quote unquote, and if someone said that's that's fake, and then you went to the bar and Blackjack Mulligan would like gouge this man's eyes out or something insane, the entire match was because it was a quote unquote real fight, uh, headlock, and then you throw him off the ropes, shoulder block, guy's finisher is like an axe handle, not even off the top rope. He just kind of slowly hits him with both his hands, and the man's dead. And that was the fight, and that was, and that, and those guys from that era die at seventy-five, and then you go to the Vince McMahon like eighties era where it's like, oh hey, we can do two shows a day, everybody get their cocaine and their steroids, let's fucking party. These guys die at fifty, and I don't know how early some of these indie guys like on AEW were going to pass away, but it's like they could all be dying to my kid by next year. Where it's like Kenny Omega is like, it's like an opening match, and he's doing like a swanton, and he lands directly on his head. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Um, or Masawa, like, who's, you know, the god of, like, internet pro wrestling fans, just died in the ring because of a suplex. Like, yeah. a back suplex. His body was like, we're done here. Yeah. Which well, is like... Yeah, and that's the thing. is like I remember when, when Masawa died, it was like he was so... He had been doing that style for so long. I had heard from people that were over there, like, like he didn't look good. Like, he looked unhealthy. Of course not. And so, like, why is that that question not, like... Maybe he shouldn't work tonight. You know, like, maybe, let's take a day off, you know? Uh, and well, then it's like, isn't it supposed to be doing the most with the least? Like, isn't I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely elements of that. And I think that's the weird thing about pro wrestling is you start dissecting it. I mean, st- I mean, even back in 97, Stone Cold Steve Austin gets dropped on his head, is basically paralyzed in the ring for like a minute or, or so, and, mm-hmm. and still is like, oh, I got to finish this match. But why? Why does he have to? I mean, like, you could be causing. I mean, and he may have caused a lot more damage to his neck by not just sitting still in that moment and being like, "He's hurt. We got to take him to the hospital." But it's what? that. I think there's that wrestler mindset what? where we have to keep going. The show must go on. Owen Hart died in the ring. They kept the show going. Like that's insane. Like when you actually think about some of these things. <laughs> the Owen Hart thing most nuts. Yeah. Because it's like. Just stop it. And it's crazy. And you know what the thing about wrestling is? Is that the WWE, like, what Vince McMahon wants more than anything is that this be a mainstream thing. And he wants it to be um, this thing that's on the level of Marvel and DC and all these things. But if that happened, then people look at the steroid trial again. Yeah. People look at what's hard dying. Um, the Benoit murders and like there's this whole thing um, I'm not sure if anyone listens listens to the lapsed fans um, they can be <laughs> grading at times their podcasts are like nine hours long legitimately but just for amount of information on the Benoit case I don't think I've ever heard of it there's a bit of construction going on here uh, there's uh, I don't think of anything I've heard anything um, have as much information on that but they're basically like when the when they first learn that something may have happened to the family, there was like an al- allegation that like Squire Dave Taylor, who was the producer at the time at WWE, came by with a tray of like meat, basically to like do a wellness check and see what was up, so that they might have to hide something. And this is like a regular thing, apparently. Now really? listen to their podcast because like obviously, yeah, but it's like a crazy like. Let's see if we have to get this dude out of something. And wrestling has enough... Wrestling is one of those weird things where it's like, it's a publicly traded company, but it still has one foot in 1900s carnival yeah. um, tactics and stuff, right? Oh, and yeah. And they would have definitely. to just totally do that. And, like, just the lack of... Um, just the lack of cohesion with the storylines, where it's like, ah, just forget about it. So it's kind of like... At the same time, they're saying, take us seriously, but you know what? We're just going to switch the storyline, and if you, like, if you remember what happened before, you're a nerd. You know? Yeah, so true, yeah. 
Oh yeah, and so, I, you know, and I felt that way. I mean, you, you mentioned the Benoit thing. I mean, I remember for the longest time, kind of having a thought of like, if if he owed somebody money, what better way to make it look like a suicide? You know, a double homicide. And oh, suicide. you were you were one of those guys. Well, not necessarily, but I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of, <laughs> for a long time, I thought that I was like, like what? Like the question no one asks is. Why did he go home? He was on the road for like a day or two. He says, I need to go home for something. Okay, can you be back by the pay-per-view? Yeah, no problem. Did he at that point say like, all right, well, time to go kill my family and myself. I, I mean, like that's the part that's bizarre to me because like, why did he go home? There was a reason he went home. Was it, did something happen? Did he accidentally kill his wife and then think, oh my God, my life's over. I'm going to prison. So... I'll kill my son and then myself. I don't know. It's hard to think. I mean, obviously he had brain injuries, so he may have not been thinking clearly, but there's definitely, in my opinion, more to that story. Oh, yeah. And also, like, even beyond that, Chris Benoit's persona non grata will never have him in a video game again. What is Shawn Michaels' new finishing move that he starts carting out like a year later? The Crippler Crossface. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why would any... I don't know, man. They're just some of the decisions they make and some of the things they do, and just like the fact that they, I mean, every wrestling fan thinks this way, but just the fact that they kneecap their new stars when it's like, oh, the crowd seems to really like that guy. Let's, uh, let's, let's have him lose nine times in a row just to see if he's a team player. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, what do you think? What other form of entertainment where it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, Marvel, the Punisher is really selling a lot of comics. Let's have Spider-Man beat him up for the next 25 issues and see if he still sells a lot of comics. And then if he does, then he's really good. Right. Like, no, you just have him live in his own world. But who knows? I mean, yeah, I've, uh, being a wrestling fan is, I guess it's for people also that just really like to complain. Because that's all seemingly we all do. Well, you know, and, I, and I've told this story before. Like, I was watching, you know, with the WWE Network before it was on Peacock, and it was actually, like, good. Um, I was watching oh, one, of the, yeah, one of the old Royal Rumbles. It was 1990, and the last two guys were Mr. Perfect and Hulk Hogan. Pretty obvious, Perfect. like, Hogan's winning, right? I mean, I think everyone assumes that. Yet, I'm thinking, like, if this were, like, the era of Twitter, imagine the hate for Mr. Perfect not winning. Like, people be like, oh, it's oh, a perfect yeah. year. He's the best wrestler in the company. But, you know, like, that's because that's what you would do. But at that time, especially, I think, maybe, maybe the ages we were and, you know, the fandom and not having dirt. I mean, I didn't know dirt sheets existed in that era. I'm sure they were around. But, I mean, it was more, it was actually a sheet, not a not the internet and stuff. I just took the product for what it was. I didn't complain. I didn't gripe. I just watched it. And, and now I think everything's dissected and. Well, why did you do that? Well, why did you do this? And and I think with WWE, they're they're almost like their mindset. Maybe, well, by God, we are going to make Roman the guy. You will cheer for him. <laughs> you know, like that was their stance for a long time. And it's like, at what point do you not realize this guy needs to be, become a bad guy, much like The Rock did? And then once he's over to that point, he'll become the biggest star in the industry. Which I think he's. I think they're kind of correcting that now, but. It's weird how, like, in their mindset, they're like, nope, this is what we're going to do, and people are going to like it. It's almost like serving a a food that people don't like, and you're going to force it down their throat. It's That's not the way to do it, I don't think. But, again, we could dissect every decision. It's just, it's weird how they how they do business sometimes. Yeah, before that, it was John Cena. It's just John Cena's such a good performer that he just kind of made it work for him. Right. Yeah, and also he came out with the shirts where just kind of rise above hate, which is basically like, yeah, look at all these people being jerks to me. But then John Cena was a weird one because the kids loved him, and I don't know how I don't wasn't at live shows or anything, but it was weird for me. Like I have a five month old child and I've ha I have nephews. It's weird for me to see like a guy with a neck beard with pimples under the neck beard screaming swear words at John Cena and seeing like a little kid cheer. Where it's like, well, clearly the little kid should have his fun. Like, why are you yelling at this man? I don't know. Right. Well, and that's... Whereas Roman Reigns was like, he's dressed up like Bull B. Cannon and then he kind of looks like The Rock. Like, I get why you're... Right, yeah. And and that's and that's the thing is, like, you know, I mentioned my nephew before we started recording. He's seven now and he just he just buys into anything on, on, on wrestling and, you know, he loves the good guys. He hates the bad guys. But he's never been the, the type to just be like, 
make up his own opinion. He just goes with what they what they tell him. And I think that's kind of the uh, the fun, like the innocence he has is like I like admire that because I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have like all the negativity and all this other stuff like that that certain fans have towards wrestling because. You know, I've met people that tell me straight up, like, I used to like wrestling. I can't watch it anymore because of how bad the fans are, how they hijack shows. and Really? Yeah, I've, I've had people say that, and I and it kind of makes me wonder. I'm like, okay, well, what's the right answer then? Because I, I, re- I really don't know. I feel like that peaked a couple years ago. Like, I think it peaked with the Fandango dance. Yep. was when... Um, wasn't there a chant, like, we are awesome at one of the Raws? And it was like, oh, God, I want to... I hate, like, it was just like, it just felt like Reddit in arena. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just like only a Reddit comment thread. These people are just trolls and they're losers. You know what I mean? Just like, but I mean, that was, that was what the internet was. And that's what wrestling was. And those are the people that like wrestling. I, I include myself in that. Like, I mean, I used to go into chat rooms and I would only like, and this is chat rooms. I'm 35 years old. So like, like the last days of like true anonymity on the internet, I would go into chat rooms and just like ruin them. Do you know what I mean? And that's sure. when I was like, because you could, right? Like you have a username. No one knows who you are. No one knows. Yeah. I was old, lonely. I made everything about how old and lonely I was. I right. would go into political chat rooms and they would be like, I would be like, my wife just left and just keep on trying to derail. <laughs> and it was super fun. Right. It was super fun. But. So when I watch that, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm watching this as like a at the time, like I didn't have a kid, but my wife was pregnant or whatever, and I'm watching this as like a man, and then I'm like remembering I was 13 too. I would have loved to derail an entire scripted show with, and a lot of it was funny. A lot of it's funny because it's like e- the influence of ECW just kind of going in all these different directions, where mm-hmm. it's like ECW had. So I do a podcast with another comedian, John Hastings, who is on America's Got Talent, and he we talk about wrestlers each week. And one of the things through watching all these guys who are in ECW is you watch ECW and you remember ECW. The way you remember ECW is like how you should watch like a, a movie when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Like you watch that movie when you were a kid, and you're like, that movie was the greatest movie of all time. If I was to you were to ask me about Blank Check right now, I'd be like, that's a ten out of ten, one of the greatest films ever. A guy gets a check. A child gets a check for a million dollars, and he can spend a million dollars any way he wants. What a brilliant movie. If I was to watch it again now, I'd be like, well, this is weird. And that's what ECW is, where it's like, you're watching it again, and you're like, oh, yeah, they just, like, beat up women and just thought swearing. Like, every promo was like, oh, you need to be over in ECW, and you're, like, a lower-car WCW guy. Just say fuck a bunch, and then end with a gay joke. Like, that was everything. Well, and that was the thing, is it was such a different... You know, like ECW, I think was doing everything that they could that WWE or WCW wouldn't do. So, hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get it noticed on every level. We're gonna be so extreme or so over the top. I remember because you know I'm I'm from Oklahoma, so we didn't have any ECW out here. So the only time I ever really saw it would they would sometimes air a commercial on like the preview channel before a pay per view, or I would see like mm-hmm. images in magazines. So it was like this. Oh, I can't wait to watch this. Like, this is going to be so cool. Then it gets on TNN. And I'm like, yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, this is, I mean, it's fun, but it's like, it was a clip show. It, you know, it wasn't, yeah, there was elements was of it that I really like liked. A, it was like a YouTube highlight. It was like YouTube yeah. highlights. Like the, your first YouTube highlight reel where it's like drowning pool was the only song anyone used. Right. That's what ECW was. And it's funny because I'm from Canada. So we had the exact same thing. Like we couldn't get a hold on ECW. My friend who's like a liar would just tell me he watched ECW all the time and what happened on it. And it's just like a lie, but I was like, oh my God, that happened? And then you just like, exactly. And then this is the era of, you know, there's so much access to information now that it's obviously way better, but it is kind of worse because like, I remember looking at Pro Wrestling Illustrated and just being like, who is Taz? Yeah. You know, like, because they would do the rankings. And they would say WWF, WCW, and ECW, who are the champions, who are the rankings of all these wrestlers. Right. So, in my mind, that was like, oh, Taz is their champion. He must almost be able to, or maybe be able to, beat up Stone Cold Steve Austin or Triple H or The Rock. Right. And, yeah, and you'll just never have that access again, of just, like, seeing someone. It's almost like this huge build for what someone could be, and 
in your mind, the possibilities are infinite. Like, because you don't, you don't even have, you don't even know the way they move. You don't know the, you know the height, I guess, but it's wrestling. So you know in your head, you're like, this guy could be like, this guy's 5'8". He could be like 5'4". I have no idea. Well, and, and I remember uh, several years ago, they released, WWE released a DVD. It was like the, the ECW's Greatest Matches Volume 1 or something. And, and so I was like, oh, I'll check that out. You know, and again, it's like, I think the rose-colored glasses, right? Like, because oh yeah, in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, this will be really cool. This will be really fun. It's a three-disc set. It's like 25 matches or something. That's great. But then you actually watch it, and you're like, wow, this is kind of like... Like, I remember one match specifically... It was Rob Van Dam and Sabu against, I think, the Eliminators. They brawl all over the building, you know, for minutes. And no, no disqualifications or anything. And then, like, at one point, something happens in the match where, like, the referee has to stop them because it's the, that's the spot. And I'm like, well, okay, so if that's breaking the rule, how how is this not? You know, then I'm, like, dissecting it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. This, isn't, this isn't great. I mean, it's it's I think it's like we remember it. Like you, you mentioned blank check, great example because actually I have another. I have some friends uh, called Wreck My Podcast that do a show about '90s nostalgia, and that's one thing they they brought up is blank check. And of course, they brought up you know, the woman kisses him at the end. Like that, how is that like not like that's horrible? Like it's one of the worst things ever. But <laughs> I at the time, until you just mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, and at the time, we're all young boys thinking, like, that's awesome, you know, like, this is great, but when <laughs> you look at it as an adult, you're like, well, that's that's kind of weird, and and then she even says, like, hey, call me in 10 years, you know, you're like, good lord, but it, it's it's the way we remember things versus how they actually are sometimes, and, you know, certain things don't hold up, and I think with wrestling, there's there's definitely elements of that, but at the same time, I get excited for the '90s characters. I get excited for like the Big Boss Man and Brutus Beefcake, and you know the Legion of Doom and Demolition and stuff like that. Whereas I watch stuff currently, it doesn't do as much for me. And I don't know. Do you, do you ever feel that at all? Of course, uh, I feel like they are still traumatized by the '90s because they had characters like Mantar, and even if you go outside of like that era. Like, every era had their characters that just fucking fell on their face. Like, uh, Beaver Cleavage would be an Attitude Era version of it. Just guys where it's like, that's embarrassing. I can't believe I fucking watch wrestling. Like, if someone walked in on you watching Mantar, or they introduced Mantar, or they introduced Beaver Cleavage, it'd be the exact same non-wrestling fan eye roll that you expect. And, like, wrestling fans are really, um, what's the word? You're really, like, uh, I forget. But, like, anyway, you just don't want that to happen. So... I think wrestling, just how, what the malaise of it now is, is people are, WWE specifically, is scared of looking dumb, so they take less chances. So, yes, you have Mantars, unless you have no Beaver cleavages, but you don't have any Undertakers. You don't have any, um, well, I mean, The Fiend is pretty much, but The Fiend is so clear what they did. They were just, like, Undertaker Mankind guy. Like, you don't have any, like, uh, even The Boogeyman, like... Where they were like, here's a straight-up 90s character. But the Boogeyman was also just like, it's kind of like based on stuff they've done before. They don't just go like, let's fucking just try this and see if it works. Right. Like, um, so like I guess an example would be like, Samoa Joe, clearly getting cheered. They, give, they let him be a badass. Like, even though he loses to Brock Lesnar, he still comes off as a badass in all those feuds. Mm-hmm. And he's got a good enough look and the indie cred to basically get like pretty much everyone to cheer for him. And they still just keep him as, you know, an upper mid card tough guy when they could be like, maybe let's give this guy a shot. Like he's, he's old. Yes. But like, maybe let's just give him a shot, put him over some people, but they never really let anyone like get over, over anymore. Mm -hmm. And I know we've theorized on my podcast about maybe that's because of Austin holding them up. Maybe that's because, the Rock holding them up, like, oh, these guys are bigger stars than we are now. We can't let this happen again because I they never want to be in a position where it's like, do we have other options? Right. I, I seen as like that, but I don't know to that extent. I don't like. I don't know until it happens. It happens. John Cena in AEW would be, I think, the greatest thing for wrestling. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think but it will I, either, but like, I mean, I get, what, I totally get what you're saying though, because I felt like, you know, when I was when I was still trying to like actively, you know, try to make it to WWE 2009 2010, I saw that happen a lot where certain guys 
like, um, so a friend of mine, uh, it's Ted DiBiase Jr. He trained at, at Harley Races oh. Academy where I came from. He was as big as anybody when he was in the legacy, right? Like they were feuding with DX. They were under Randy Orton's tutelage. Like he was becoming a big time player. One year later, he's in the back when we're, we're there as extras eating catering and not doing anything on television. And, and so part of me is kind of like, what, what happened? You know, like this guy, he's got a good look. He can work. He can talk. His dad was the freaking million dollar man. So like, there's something there and it's just like, it never happened. And, and I had heard not from him specifically, but from other people that that's kind of a thing they do. They'll push you up, 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 and then drop you down for that reason. You, you theorize that once you become a stone cold, Steve Austin or a rock, now you can make demands. Now you can voice an opinion. You're not going to voice an opinion when you're tr- when you're struggling to be on the opening match on raw, you know? And so it's a very, it's, like I said, it's a very strange industry in that regard, because why would you like, why would you not want a top guy? Because I think for a long time, they didn't need the, uh, you know, the marquee, I guess, as we always say to say the rock is here. They just needed to say WWE is here and that as a brand. So well, that's what the they're show. looking for is that, Exactly. That's what, and they dipped their toe in that in 1995, mm-hmm. which turned out to be their worst year ever. But that was the dipping toe of maybe the WWE can just sell this because that's when they got rid of every single old guy. Now that was because of steroid trial, probably like financial losses from that. And, you know, obviously the wrestling business as a whole, like you can stand to lose way more money than your Ted, when you're Ted Turner and not Vince McMahon at that time. But that was their first, and I don't think they did it intentionally, but that was their first dip in the toe in the water of, does the WWF just just these three letters sell everything? And now, for the last whatever years, the WWE has, but it's been, I don't know if you've seen the, like, searches for WWE um, on Google have, like, plummeted in the last five years. Just completely plummeted, like, gone, like, down 300% or something. And I think part of that is AEW, where it's, like, Okay, it's kind of like calling someone's bluff. Like, okay, WWE for years, you guys have not been catering to super nerds because you don't want super nerds, you want casual fans. They're like, all right, bet. Like, all right, you don't have the super nerds anymore because AEW is going to do like, Hangman Page is going to have like one weird thorough line through his entire career because these guys are super nerds and all control their own characters. So it's like, I didn't realize it, but his... Achilles heel was the arm drag all along or something 10 years into his career. Like they're going to go that deep, but obviously like it may appeal to casual fans at some point, but it's, it's just for super nerds. It's like, it's like the AEW is like a hybrid of like six different things where it's like Cody Rhodes want to do the NWA and, um, the young bucks want to do like new Japan stuff and kind of like do like a nineties, uh, NWO revival and Omega wants to do, like, a Joshi division really badly. And it's, like, all these ideas in one. Tony Khan wants it to be ECW. Like, all these ideas that they're all doing concurrently and, like, and working together well right now, and people are just going to watch that um, because they're super dorks. But now it's, like, can... I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting the next couple of years where it's, like, will WWE A sell or B just ride it out with less and less nerds watching it? Other than, like, contrarian guys on the internet, I guess. and Because they still have more fans than AEW, I should mention that. But. Well, for sure. And, I mean, but I've had this theory, and I would like to get your thoughts on this. <clears throat> Excuse me. That, like, look how many people WWE has let go that AEW scooped up. Not all of them, but quite a few. Like, we just mm-hmm. saw Aleister Black show up. He's Malachi Black now. And, you know, Sting and Christian Cage. And, you know, now yeah. the big shows over there. And Mark Henry and all these guys. I'm like... Is WWE trying to drown them, like, as, like from a financial perspective? I thought that, too. And the way they're releasing people, too. They release them one at a time, right? Right. Where it's like, I don't know. Andrade, Andrade and um, Alistair Black are, like, guys who it's like, I, I see them as possible world champions. But sure. I do totally get what you're saying. Where it's like, you kind of have to stop. Christian Cage was a weird one. I thought that one was weird to me because when he was in the Royal Rumble, like that was like a really fun surprise and he had that little reunion with edge and it's like, Oh, that's cool. And like, so the possibility of like both of these guys are retired, they're doing like sketch comedy shows on the WWE network. You don't assume they're ever going to team again. Now that's a real possibility. Like they could actually have one more like tag team title run, which would be great. 
and then their WWE, I guess, apparently is just like he worked that Royal Rumble without a contract, without a, like a working contract. And so he was like, well, how about this? And they were like, well, nope. And so he went to AEW. They offered him what he wanted, I guess, and he took it. And I don't blame him. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's the weirdest thing about pro wrestling. It's like it, it has to be about money to some degree because this is this guy's mm-hmm. job. And if one company is going to pay you more, you'd be kind of stupid not to take that. And so I get his decision to do it, but it was it was one of those things where it's like, ah, okay, Christian's over there. Like, and that does open up like a possibility of like fun matches and stuff, like of guys he's never worked before, but like you know, he this guy that basically had to retire medically once, like he can't have too many matches left in the tank. Yeah, and it's interesting because you don't even get, like, what you're saying, he might have to medically retire. It's like, you don't even get that huge dream match where it's like, what would it be like if Christian based fucking Ricky Starks? It's like, who cares? I don't know. Well, I think yeah. Ricky Starks... But, like... And the interesting thing is, I think this is a lot of Tony Khan's thing, is a lot of people focus on the, like... Um him liking ECW, which I just did, but I think a lot of it, when you watch it, and you watch old Impact, it's like, he's trying to rebook Impact. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, because Christian Cage, we remember, went to, like, when he was, I think, for years, he was better than Edge. Like, he was such a great shitty heel. Oh, and he yeah. was starting to get cheered. Before he left, he was he was in a feud against Cena, and he was getting cheered over Cena, because he was doing these, like, purposely lame raps. But, like, this was when they were trying to push John Cena as I rap and I'm a happy guy. And, uh, yeah. just incidentally were way better than Cena's because they were so shitty. And just playing that, like, it's a very much of a time, but that like 2005 douchebag, he was playing that perfectly. Like the, you know, gelled up hair, puka shell necklace. Like he was just playing it perfectly. And, um, then he goes to TNA and we all think like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And then of course he just ends up under, you know, triple HB, Jeff Jarrett, but Tony Khan clearly watched that. I think he's like the same age I am. He clearly watched that, and he he's like, I wanted Christian for years, and that's what I thought. Where I was like, oh, this guy's like, this guy might just sign Rob Van Dam and be like, Rob Van Dam, remember? And everyone, yeah, he's old now, and he just talks <laughs> right. about he's a libertarian. Yeah, but good, right? Like, all right, I guess, man. It wouldn't surprise me if he just like made the Sandman the champion one week. Is all I'm saying. Like. No. Everyone. The only reason you get into wrestling is because you're a mark. Sure. And we're all marks, and we all love it. So it's kind of like, especially with Dixie Carter when Impact was happening, everyone's like, "Why is she doing this?" I'm like, "Cause she likes wrestling, and she wants to be a star of wrestling." Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, if my dad was like an ultra billionaire, and I got to like control how Tracy Smothers did things, I'd be fucking over the moon. I don't know. I mean, t- Tony Khan, to some degree, is playing with his action figures right now, right? Except. They're real oh, people, and he's paying them millions of dollars to do it. A hundred eighty percent, and but but also it's creating value because like one of the last things um, that has value for television is wrestling. It's so funny how wrestling like started television and now is at the end. You know, yeah. it's like this book ending thing where it's like TV's one of the first original programs that was big on TV was like all, obviously live sports because those are like appointment viewing. Sure. And wrestling was appointment viewing along with that. And now that's how TV's dying is, oh, yeah, we can watch all these shows. In between, you have these great shows, these you know, like sitcoms and stuff. But it's being bookended by, like, the last thing on TV will be, like, a WrestleMania or something. It's crazy. But, well, yeah, and, it's, and all, I, it's all... No, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. I was saying nothing. I was just keep talking and talking. What were you saying? <laughs> no, I was just saying like about like you, you talked about AEW and and all this other stuff. Like I think the thing that gets me about AEW specifically is this to me was like the first like big time platform for a lot of these guys. And I'm talking like 2019 when they announced it and their first pay per view mm-hmm. was going to be double or nothing. And you know they got Jericho signed, Jim Ross is signed. It's like it was like this. Um, platform for all these young guys to get over, you know? And then like one of the names that always comes to my mind was Joey Janela. You know, it was his first big like mainstream television deal. And it's like, when's the last time you saw him do anything? I mean, I, I mean, I, and I don't follow the product super close these days. Um, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where I'm like, you start signing all these main event talents. The thing about it is like, you can't have, you can't have certain guys like, like I obviously the thing 
people are talking about is, oh, they're going to sign Braun Strowman. Okay, but you can't have him feud with Jungle Boy. You know what I mean? Like you, you just—that's—he's got to be the main event guy. He's there's something about him. It's like he can't be this like, hey, I'll I'll work, uh, you know, the lower tier guys. I, I mean, I guess you could, but it doesn't really work. It's kind of like a Batista or somebody like that. It's like this guy's the main event guy. Either you get him ready for the main event, or he's not going to work out. Like it's just that's the way it is. And so anyway, my my point with AEW is what has always been strange to me is like when you start seeing these veteran talents show up. More and more, and that, and it kind of starts with like Matt Hardy and Christian and Big Show and Sting and all these guys. You kind of start. I feel like the guys that they were signing that were less known to a national audience have dropped down a lot. And now every pay per view has like a big battle royal and and things of that nature. And I'm and I'm not knocking it because I I really I personally want AEW to be super successful, but I want every wrestling company to be successful because I have a lot of friends that still wrestle. I want them to have places to wrestle, you know, and I want them to be able to make money in this industry. It's just, it's weird when, like I said before, that theory of like, is WWE trying to drown them? Because they take a guy like Aleister Black, like you, you, I remember when he first debuted in NXT, I'm like, this guy is money, like money written all over him. And then WWE does nothing with him. Not really. And then they basically just give him right over to AEW. It's like, why would they do that? Like, that was my thing is I'm sitting there just trying to dissect that. Like, why would they do that? He's a great talent. He's got an amazing look. Why would you just basically hand him him over to AEW unless this is some type of strategic plan? But again, WWE's also been hoarding talent for a very long time and not letting people go regularly like they like they have in the past. So maybe financially it caught up with them. Who knows? I think that that's pretty much it. I think basically that they have a type of wrestler that they want. Right. And he's not it. Like, you kind of need to be, with with the amount of money and access that WWE has, either you have, like, Aleister Black, either you're Aleister Black in the ring and Ryback's look, that's the only way you can, like, get away with not being really good on the mic, I think. Because, like, Aleister Black is great, but, like, he needs to be catered to in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And then when as soon as I saw him on the main roster against, I forget who it was, because they always kind of looked intimidating, and they gave him like what they call the Andre angle when he comes out from the ring, when he comes out to the ring on NXT. So he kind of looked big next to those guys, like obviously Jordan Gargano and all these guys. But then I forget who it was, but it was someone like I sound like he's like the Miz, and the Miz was bigger than him, and I was like, this guy's fucked. Like there's no yeah, no getting past that. That's like when um, the, I talked about him earlier, but Taz, like apparently Vince thought Taz was like. Bigger than he was, and he saw Taz backstage, and he looked looked down on him, and he's basically like, "I'm not fucking pushing this guy." Well, and, and, I, and I, I think that's part of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, Vince sees some. You know, at the end of the day, he's got to invest a lot of time in somebody, and you know, at that same time, like Kurt Angle was becoming this huge star in WWE. Mm-hmm. You see someone like Taz come in, and like Taz goes over Kurt Angle that first night. I, I bet Vince is like, "Nope," you know, like almost like immediately, like that's that's a terrible mistake because. Kurt Angle is going to be a huge star, and he, and he obviously became that, but he looks at someone like Taz, and it's like Taz was really good, and he was very unique and very different, but he wasn't. he's not prototypical for what WWE looks at, and I think I think there's a lot of elements of of that. Like he, I think Vince will always kind of go back to what he's always done, and mm-hmm. you know, it's always going to be the 6'5", muscle, Guy, you know, like where someone like Aleister Black, like you said, very talented, but maybe Vince looks at him like, oh, this guy's kind of short or, you know, or not necessarily short, but he's not as tall as I would have thought, you know, or he's, he's not this or he's not that. And, or maybe Vince just personally just doesn't get him, you know, like he's like, don't get it, you know, and then decides like, oh, well, I don't know what to do with him. So, I mean, I've, I've, I don't know if you know this story, this is kind of an inside, uh, inside secret story, which is hilarious to me. I was in NXT when Bo Dallas debuted, he was in a Royal Rumble, kind of unknown. What had happened is they did this NXT access at the Royal Rumble that year. It was an eight-man tournament. The winner of the tournament got to be in the Royal Rumble. Bo Dallas won. That was going to be like his official call-up. And that year, he eliminated Wade Barrett, and it was kind of a big shock. Like, wow, Bo Dallas from NXT eliminates Wade Barrett. His run on, on television was supposed to be he was really bad at promos. That was going to be like his thing. Like, he couldn't 
wrap up a promo. <laughs> he kept talking and kept talking. And they were like, okay, okay, like, you know, like wrap it up. So yeah. they, I guess they record one of him doing that character. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I could do like a, you know, a guy that can't do a promo essentially. It's kind of funny. This is like 2013. I guess Vince sees it and he's like, oh, God, this guy can't talk. And so he's like, send him back down to Florida. Instead of like someone's being like, no, Vince, that's the character. It's just like, okay. <laughs> like they just, they go with it. Like, all right, let's send him back down. And then he was back down on TV until he started doing the uh, Bo Leaf thing. And I, and I, part of me thinks like, does no one talk to each other up there? Like, if you have this idea, everyone's yeah, just scared of being fired. It's what it's right. the one job where it's like, what, what are your options in 2013? Right. What are your options? Like None. either you catch on ring of honor or impact. And honestly, so I used to do, I should say when I started comedy, this is an odd, this is an odd story, but it's going somewhere. When I started comedy, there was this like rich lady who did comedy purely for vanity. So rich owned hotel downtown in Toronto. Like, you could stay one call. You get a suite if you want. Right. Never. But like one of those rich people where it's like so impossibly rich that she's never had to deal with real life. Like just like little things like making a meal. No idea how to do it. Never turned on a stove. Never had to. And she, when I, when my, my friend ended up, uh, I'm not using any names, so we'll call him Bill. Bill ended up hanging out with, we'll, we'll call her Allison. Bill ended up hanging out with Allison, and he, they made friends because Bill's a very genuine person, and he thought she's very, ge- genuinely, she's a nice person, it's just she's never had to deal with real life, which a lot of people would be jealous of, but whatever. So when Bill uh, was hanging out with Allison, I started hanging out with them, and it was like this closed group around Allison of people that's entire economy was making money off of Allison. Mm. And that's what I thought Dixie Carter was. And if you lose your job in 2013 in WWE, now you're plunged in this world of like, how do you penetrate through Jeff Jarrett? Just like taking money from the Carter family. Mm. That might sound bad, but that sounds like what it was because when you get like super rich people like that, who Nixie Carter is like an oil magnate's daughter. Like, there's no way this woman's ever seen a stove in her life. Just only sees them on cooking shows on television. But like, and that's what you hear a lot of OTNA is it just people like that's a good idea, Dixie. Oh, great job, Dixie. And like how Hulk Hogan left TNA and stuff. I mean, that's one of the craziest wrestling companies. It's like that Vince or sorry Mick Foley's first book where he talks about Herb Abrams UWF, where it's like this crazy guy just wanted to be a wrestling champion and Mick was like, you know what? If he's going to cash the checks, I'm fine with it. And it just like, it's that, but it went on for like a decade somehow. Well, yeah. And what's funny is I've heard, you know, I listened to the, I don't know if you listen to the Conrad Thompson podcast, but I listened to a lot of those and he's even mentioned on there. He was like, you know, TNA in like 2010 is getting a rating. AEW would die for right now. And and that's and obviously that's changed, right? Because more people are not really watching television, and like you can get on Twitter or something and pretty much catch up on anything that's happening in wrestling. So you don't need to quote unquote watch it anymore. But it's kind of interesting to see like how things have changed and and stuff with like with TNA and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's so it's so interesting because you know like Hogan shows up. I think his whole mindset is, I want to help this company. It's like, yeah, but you're not doing that for free, are you? <laughs> you know, you're still drawing oh, a yeah. pretty hefty paycheck to quote unquote help this company. And, and, also, and you know, it's, like, it's the same with all, like I heard Ric Flair signed a deal specifically with like the family, not with the company. So if the company went under, they'd still have to pay him. You that's know. insane. Oh yeah. But it, it's kind of, it, that's the weird thing about pro wrestling. I have a friend, um, you just kind of, you reminded me of this earlier when you were talking about like Mantar and stuff. He always, he said he always hated the, uh, occupational gimmicks. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But like Dr. Isaac Yankum, it's funny. And you know, all the, like TL Hopper, he's a plumber. He's like, yeah, but think about it. Like Duke, the dumpster Drosy, he's a trash man. So he comes and he's also like, basically he's a trash man who moonlights as a pro wrestler. I'm like, Okay, sure. And he goes, but he dresses like a trash man still. Like he said, he wouldn't go work as a trash man wearing trunks and boots and knee pads. I'm like, well, no, because that would be weird. He goes, but for some reason, 
it's okay in pro wrestling for him to dress like a trash man. And I'm like, yeah, that's very strange. Like it's, it's one of those things when you start dissecting the little things of pro wrestling, none of it makes sense. Of course. But I mean, what if they had a vignette every time where it's like Duke Dorsey is like, like the whole bit of raw is like, fuck Duke just got off shift. Will he make it? Right. And then it's just just burning a fucking Honda civic down the arena, double parking. He loses the match and gets a ticket, you know? Right. But yeah, of course, that makes sense. How does an undead guy learn MMA? Right. And he ages. Yes. And they always talk about how he's getting older. It's like, well, isn't he dead? Right. They should be like, he's decaying. Like, that's how you do it. And them attempting to make it make sense where the fiend has a compound and everyone shits on it. And it's like, well, what, what do you want? What do you, what the fuck do you want? Because <laughs> it, can't, it, it can't be... Even when Cornette, like, Cornette will be like, oh, wrestling the way it used to be, where a guy, Gorilla Monsoon, didn't know English for a long time. He didn't know English. Oh, he's a man from, he's a man from the Appalachians. He's a, he's basically an ape that we kind of shave. Yeah. Gorilla Monsoon. And then, you know, he finishes his career. It's like, oh, he's actually very erudite. And uh, he's our lead announcer now. Like, makes no sense. So, that, yeah, I guess that earlier when I was saying that there's no cohesion, there, there also has to be a weird thing where it's like, you kind of, as a wrestling fan, have to be like, okay, Isaac Yankum is Kane now, and I'm fine with that, and I'm not going to ruin it. Right. Because that, that Isaac Yankum, that is interesting, because Kane would have never happened. Right. Never, and- ever would have happened now. And it was hard to get, um, it was even hard to get um, Bray Wyatt off. Because people just change Husky Harris. Right. But people love Bray Wyatt so much, it just kind of like, they were like, fuck off. Well, and in this era now, you're going to have people that are like, probably don't even know that he was Husky Harris, right? And, and like, they might see a trading card, like, oh my God, is that the fiend? You know, like, because it's been such a long period of time. But yeah, I mean, you know, Dr. Isaac Yankum to fake Diesel, like, how putrid was that? I mean, like, they brought out a Razor Ramon and Diesel lookalike. Like, that was one of the worst things ever. And and Kane was one of those guys. It's like, how do you take this supremely talented individual and make him a, an evil dentist to start? And then, you know, the fake Diesel. And then finally they landed on Kane. And I think because of the mask, a lot of people probably didn't know who that was for a long time. But it's like the guy's in the Hall of Fame now. He had a great run as that character. You know, mask, no mask, back to the mask, the whole deal. But it's kind of crazy, like, how little intricate intricate things like that can lead you to a successful career or can essentially like a flash in the pan. Like he probably wouldn't be mayor today if he had just, if he had ended at fake diesel, cause no one would remember who he was, but I don't know. That's, I think that's to me the, the weirdest part about pro wrestling and like me and you've never met before, but we're sitting here talking about all these little weird details about this industry that we love. And, and I think the weirdest thing for me is it's hard for me to even explain to someone why I like this, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I had such a hard time. Someone's like, well, why do you like pro wrestling? I, I don't even know what to say. It's like, I can't not, you know, not necessarily watch it. Cause I don't watch it as much these days. I watch old stuff and things like that, but I can't even describe to someone why I like it anymore. It's just such a weird thing. I like it. Cause it's, well, all right, so my dad, uh, to be honest, like, this might get a bit real, but, like, my dad died, so, when I was five, so I had a hard time watching anything where anyone would die on television. Sure. Watch, and, but I still wanted to see people, like, I still wanted to see action, so I would watch sports and pro wrestling. I didn't really watch anything to where, like, a person died until I was, like, 12? Probably puberty, yeah. So, it was, like, a good seven years of just, like, I remember when... Do you remember when Kama Mustafa attacked the Druids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that like... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left the room. I was like, kill these little guys. Because they were so much smaller than Kama Mustafa, by the way. Kama oh, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, like the white face kids. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, and it was like, these guys beating... And like I equated it. Like The guys were like... Like I was a big kid. And like these guys are like my size. Right. Is Kama Mustafa going to beat me up? I like The Undertaker. Right. Um... And then I, I, like, left it. And the other thing is, like, we didn't have Canada. We didn't have Raw. So I never got to see, like, Kamal Mustafa ever lose. It was just literally he's the supreme fighting machine, and he's unstoppable because he's killing all these guys. 
every Saturday. Right. I never got to see, like, common Because they will deheat guys. And this is a huge thing now. That's why I always wonder, like, your seven-year-old nephew must, like... It, it's such a different world to me because it's, like, when... The way they built matches when I was a kid was, like, these both these guys are fucking unbeatable. Like, they murder people every Saturday who look like regular people. So what's it like when these two superheroes collide versus, like, now it's, like, what is it going to be like when, you know, the five and four... Jimmy Uso, uh, to, you know, beats the four and five Xavier Woods. Like, you've seen it a million times. It's right. kind of like, there's no, like, wondering what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen. Well, you brought, but, um, you brought up earlier, like, the Road Warriors coming out. They got the shoulder pads. They got the pyro. They got the music. And then, yeah. you know, Steve's in the ring. And Steve looks like your next-door neighbor. He's wearing a pair of tights, but he probably shouldn't be. And yeah. <laughs> it, it was never, like, I remember years ago watching, like, what I call the job guys, right? Which I didn't know what they were then, but I remember thinking, like, how come these guys never, like, have music? Like, where do they come from? Do they come from underneath the ring? Like, because you never saw them have an entrance. They were just in the ring. And it's it's that funny thing of, like, you never gave those guys a chance. Like, this guy's going to get killed. Especially, like, the Road Warriors or someone big like that. Or, like, the job guy against Yokozuna. I remember a couple times thinking, that guy's head's going to pop off like toothpaste. Like, it's going <laughs> to... He's, he's going to crush them. And, and that was the thing, is, like, it, there was that... That aspect of like, I never said I never rooted for that guy because I mean, I even Yokozuna is a bad guy, but it's like this guy's not going to win, you know. This this guy's toast, but it was still something fun to watch. And and now, like you said, they're more competitive matches. It's you know, it's the st- the two stars against each other, so it's a different it's a different format altogether. But it, it's just it's so different how the business has changed. But you know, at the same time, I I bring up my nephew being seven. He loves wrestling, and he. Watches it all the time. He doesn't watch it traditionally. He watches mostly through YouTube, which is not something we had as kids, obviously. But he still he'll catch up with everything he wants to see on YouTube and watch clips and things like that. But it's still interesting to me that he found the love for it just like I did, just in a different way. Of course, yeah. I think to circle back, I think the reason I like wrestling. I mean, the reason I like wrestling now is I watch it with my friends, and it's like it's, it's as casual viewing right. as you want. It's intense, like me and. Before the pandemic happened, me and my friends would watch Dynamite every Wednesday and be like, well, what the fuck is happening here? Because, like, the fun thing about AEW at the beginning was, like you said, it was all these young guys, right? Mm-hmm. And now they have all the old guys. But it was like, let's see how Sammy Guevara... Like, I'd never seen Sammy Guevara before. So for me, it was like, who is this new great wrestler I get to right. watch? And, you know, and then you just talk through, like, at the beginning, their women's division was kind of trash. They didn't put any, like... They didn't put any, like, storylines in it, so it would just be like, we'll talk through the women's match, or we'll talk through, like, whatever other boring match. Then, oh, Sammy Guevara's on, let's watch Sammy Guevara, and then, you know, take it back. Well, I guess we'll watch the Kenny Omega match and talk about how we don't really get it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and Kenny Omega's another guy, like, greatest decision that man ever made was leaving an NXT. Like, why would you... If you're that guy, you, like, love Japanese culture and you're kind of a weirdo, but you're super athletic. It's like the WWE is not going to cater to what you want. Like you could, he could be the king of NXT for however long you wanted. But as soon as that, as soon as Vince McMahon hands him a microphone, is like, I don't know your name. Here, do five minute promo and memorize this. You have twenty five minutes. You know, yeah. he'd just be in the water. Well, and, and then I think that's kind of the the thing, right? Like he, I remember there was a, th- a thing there for a couple of years where I think he had. He, I don't know. Did he? I don't know if he didn't sign with NJPW or he was between contracts or something happened. But it was like one year after AJ Styles debuted, everyone thought Kenny Omega is going to be in the Royal Rumble. We know it, and it's like that's not as safe as bet as AJ Styles. Like he would, I could see Vince like kind of like you were saying, being like, I don't get it. <laughs> like I don't get this guy. You know, like what's this is not this is not my thing and. And basically him going down and he's working, you know, the lower tier guys. He's working Mike Kanellis on Superstars the next week because Vince doesn't 100%. get it. But, I mean, I, at the same time, like, I've seen things that Vince, like, should get. Like, I remember when um, the Ascension debuted on, on television. Like, I was like, oh, I, that's cool because I knew those guys from NXT. So they put him in, like, kind of a almost Road Warriors-like get up with the shoulder pads and the face paint and stuff. and. And then the first promo they do, they basically talk about how all these face painted tag teams suck and they're the best. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, and, then, <laughs> and then it's like, 
pretty much they completely fell off the face of the earth and they didn't do anything for a couple of years. And it's like, how do you mess these guys up? It, it's a big brawling, badass tag team. Like, how does that fall between the cracks? But it well, does somehow. Didn't they have the one small guy, though? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry for your friends, but it was like, if you're that team, it's like the set model would be like, more so I thought, like, to circle back about the uh, not taking risks, it's like, when you try Mason Ryan, you're Mason Ryan, South African dude, jacked up. Oh, yeah. You know? I, yeah. Like, for that guy, it's like, why don't you go, like, all right, Mason Ryan may not have worked, but let's put him in, honestly, exactly the ascension. Because sometimes people can't be, like, I think Kane benefited from, and I've done performance like this before where it's like, you don't personally connect to a character. You're like, I'm just a guy. I don't really have any, like, strong feelings anyway. But if you, the ability to play character and be like, okay, this is so far away from who I am, I can really get into it. And that's probably what Kane was like, like Glenn Jacobs was like with Kane. It was just like, you are, you're behind a mask, so it's not you. So just pretend you're this person. Right. It's a little, and, little Michael Myers, a little, you know, like you take like the head tilt and stuff from some of those like horror icons because like basically his whole body's covered. He's in this really cool yeah. looking suit. I mean, he debuts in a super cool way. You knew he was coming basically, but without them actually blatantly saying it. And he beats up the undertaker. It, it was like, it was a cool way to debut, right? It was like, it was almost like a can't miss, but, but then you have someone like Mason Ryan who genetically looks amazing. He was passing wellness tests at a time when you wouldn't think he would be able to. So either he's really <laughs> slick or, you know, or something really well. He was right? cycling well. Right. He's, he's doing he's doing something right, but it's like, how does that how does that guy miss? But certain other guys, like they push. It's it's weird, right? I, I don't. EC three is another example. Like that guy came back. They re-signed him. He's jacked. He looks great. He's a good talker. Very entertaining guy. Can't find anything to do with him. Yeah. Right. Like EC three is impossibly jacked. It's, it's strange, man. Like, it's he's one of those guys, like, his action figure didn't look bigger than he was. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes they look <laughs> like, like they look like, ah, okay, they kind of did oh, that yeah. guy a favor there. But his didn't. Like, it looked like him, like, because he was, he was so, so muscular and stuff. So, I don't know. It's, it's a, wrestling's a very weird industry. Um, obviously, I think that's kind of the, uh, the format for this show. It's just such a, a bizarre thing to maybe be a fan of at times because no one really gets it. Um, which, you know, again, that's kind of how I found you from your, your comedy routine, which we didn't really touch on that. So, um, I don't dude. there's nothing, <laughs> nothing more boring than telling about why you got into comedy and stuff. So sure. I'm glad to just talk in circles about fucking Mason Ryan, Mason Ryan. I just bring up all the time, which is, I guess that's, that's what separates me as a podcaster, buddy. My, my love for Mason Ryan, but it's just like. To me, it's just like everything about the WWE is, and what they are now is kind of like summarized in Mason Ryan, where it's this thing where it's like, you, it, you're the only game in town, you could just push this guy, because like, why the fuck not? But Make him Batista 2 or whatever. <laughs> just do whatever you want with him, but they kind of like want to be everything to everybody, but say they're not, they don't, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. They could just bring Chris Masters back and be like, yo, Chris. You're great now. Chris Adonis is great now. If you watch NWA, he's great. Get on the sauce, buddy. Let's have some fun. You know, they could mm -hmm. totally do that. But, oh, yeah. But they kind of like, no, we're indie guys. And it's like, you know what? Let AEW have all the five, eight guys slowly release them. So that you flood the company, like you were saying. And let's get, let's get Chris Masters at WrestleMania. Chris Masters versus Mason Ryan in a steroids on a pole match. They do steroids in the ring. Who cares? Like, let's go. Yeah, I watch TikToks every day that are just like people being like, "You stuck working out? Try some trend." <laughs> like, right? Oh yeah. No one cares anymore. Yeah, so. I mean that's kind of the way that's kind of the way it is. But anyway, man, this has been a lot of fun uh, uh, chatting with you here. Uh, do you have any social media or anything you want to want to plug to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, I got one of those uh, link trees on my Twitter at Dylan Gott D Y L A N G O T T D Y L A N G O T T. I'm on TikTok um, where I have. Pretty much slowly posting my whole stand-up act and uh, Twitter for whatever the hell you do on Twitter. That's more just like posts about shows. The world's opening up again. And I'm on Instagram as well. It's kind of a 
mixture of both. Um, and my podcast is called The Wrestler Review. You can find all that info on my Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that. So thanks very much for having me, man. This was a great talk. This was this was a lot of fun, man. Hopefully we can do it again down the road. Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. Thank you. All right. And that is uh, a wrap for episode 34. Big shout out to my guest, Dylan Gott. And uh, check out his stand-up routine. Also, check out his podcast he talked about, it, the Wrestler Review Podcast. I'm pulling it up right here. Looks really fun. I mean, I'm just kind of scrolling through all the different episodes. They've had so many. I mean, they did an episode on Butch Reed. They did an episode on Zeus. Three Count. Jushin Thunderliger. Bad News Brown. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Buff Bagwell. Barry Horowitz. I mean, this is right in my wheelhouse here. Um they just kind of talk about one wrestler. Uh, they did one on Eric Watts. Like, how do you do an entire episode on Eric Watts? That's crazy. But I'm all about it. I think that's great. So check out his podcast. Check out his comedy routine. And uh, like I said, I would love to have him on again in the future. I think it would be a lot of fun. Next week, my guest will be uh, the host of Wreck My Podcast. Jordan Zeilinger will be joining me. Um, super fun guy to talk to. Um, we kind of got acquainted through a mutual friend, Ryan Buds. Me and Bain did his podcast several years ago, and uh, Jordan um, heard us on his show, started listening to our show, and soon after, he uh, he started to wreck my podcast, and I kind of remember when he was kind of telling me through Messenger like what it, what it was going to be, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun idea where you, know, you, you watch something that you liked as a kid, and does it hold up, or does it wreck your childhood, you know, and that's, I mean... There's so many things like that that I can think of. Or like, ooh, I can't watch that now because I know it's not going to be as good. And um, it's a it's a great show. Him and his crew over there. There's several of them that do it, and it's a lot of fun. We'll dive into that. We'll talk about wrestling fandom. He, in fact, um, in high school, knew a very famous wrestler, but knew him as his legitimate name, not his wrestling name. We'll get into that, and it's quite a story. So he dropped some some fun stuff on us. Um, and like I said, just uh, such a fun guy to talk to. I've always enjoyed talking to Jordan. He lives in Texas now. I'm hoping we can cross paths for WrestleMania this coming year. That would be a lot of fun. So um, once again, thank you guys for checking out. You know it's fake, right? Um, some shout-outs, of course. The Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast with Jeff and Scott. Such a fun show. Uh, Scott also has Drunk Wrestling History. There's Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry is another really fun one. The Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric. Highly recommend that show. The Ringside Rant with RJ. The Leisure and Lariats Podcast. Boot to the Face. Tales from the Estate from my buddy uh, Drew Vinsel and his wife, Caitlin. In fact, I just picked up their new show, uh, their new shirt. We're live, pal, over on uh, watermaneuver.net. Check that out. Wreck my podcast, like I mentioned, with their host, Jordan Zeilinger, who will be our guest next week. Trivia with Buds, with Ryan Buds, pulling up a chair with a chair shot. Night of the Nerdy Legs or Podcast. Once again, shout out to Richard for helping me um, get this guest of Dylan today. And then uh, Howling with the Wolf, my buddy Jason Wolf. Some great podcasts there that I think you will enjoy. And of course, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, the flagship podcast. We're approaching 400 episodes, people. Great stuff. And then me and Travis Fowler have a new show I just launched a few months ago, the TV Toycast. If you like uh, talking about retro toys, might be the show for you. In fact, we just did an episode on the Simpsons figures coming up as Cops and Crooks. Fun stuff in the pipeline. Check all that out. And then, of course, uh, you know my buddy Bane with uh, No Holds Barred Bill Venus are on hiatus, but check out those archive episodes. It's fun stuff. Um, anyway, thank you guys for checking out You Know It's Fake Right. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake, Right? And we'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been a rapper a minute, and I can stand toe-to-toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics They talk a lot, but at the end of the night I'm selling the tickets All the tough guys avoid me The ladies all adore me Paparazzi record me I can put on a clinic All my opposers are born